would you do me a huge favor and welcome all of those who are logged in live online with us through our website and Facebook. We want to meet you. If we do not know you, if we have not had a chance, we want to meet you. We want to connect with you. It is our heart to do so. Don't forget about our men's dinner. Men's dinner this coming Tuesday night. We've got a, another thing for the men coming up um, in October. So um, if you are a man, then you are invited to the dinner on Tuesday night. If you could sign up on your way out for that, um, that just gives us a better idea of how much more food we need to go buy in Jesus' name. And you don't have to bring anything but yourself and a friend. We're just going to eat. We may share a little something and pray since we are a church and we believe that, that Jesus really wants to connect with people. But it will mainly just be a time of fun and fellowship. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Verse 15 and 16, as you're turning there, this is probably my favorite um, example and story of show and tell so far. Um, Pastor Weston sent me uh, a group me, if you don't know what that is, it's just imagine it's a text in another form through an app that I don't understand, and it came through and I read it, okay? And so I got that, and, and this is the story of his show and tell, was when he was in first grade or second grade? In second grade. For whatever reason, I didn't hear the story behind the story, but, but he ended up in, in a body cast, you know, we had similar personalities growing up, so I could only imagine, you know, what caused him to have to end up in a body cast. I have no idea how I avoided body cast growing up, but for some reason, the Lord spared me. But he was in a body cast, and, and he got out of that body cast, and it was just a couple of weeks later that he got out of the body cast that they were having a show and tell. So he, he, uh, he shows up to school like Neil Armstrong having been on the moon, right? He's just about to one-up everybody in the room, so he has his body cast. And, and people are asking him questions while the other kids are going, and they're, they're trying to get his attention. And then he walks up with his body cast, and he sets it on the desk, and, and he tells his story, right? That's his show-and-tell and everybody lost, and Pastor Weston got to be the man of the day because he brought a stinky body cast <laughs> to his elementary school. It's just a perfect representation of what I want to talk about today. That body cast would represent the bondage that he was in formerly. And he wanted to bring that to school to show everybody what he was formerly bound by, he was no longer subject to. That was my yesterday, but this is my tomorrow. See, this is the story of the gospel that Jesus has for us. And this is why he instructs us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, to go, and that word is literally translated, having gone. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Having gone into all the world, 
Preach the gospel. What does that mean? That you need to pick up a bread box, stand on top of it, and shout at people. No, that you need to make signs that says God hates you and your sin. No, I will beat you with that sign if I see you. You think I'm, do that in Eunice. I will take that sign and have a Holy Ghost snap right there in the middle of the city. Don't do that. That doesn't win anybody. They, we will be known by our love, not our ability to draw on pieces of paper and scream at people. Okay? That is not how you share the gospel. Proclaim. Here's what that literally. Proclaim the good news. I hate to bring it down to this level, but just to make it, just to simplify it a little bit. All that, all that literally means is like, you're, you're a delivery boy. You're a delivery girl. Like, you, you've just been given the present or the gift, and all you do, you don't change it. You don't add to it. It's already been paid for. Don't you touch it. You just deliver it just as is. If I were to buy my wife flowers and send it to the, and I told him exactly what I wanted, and I had an exact message written on the card, and it showed up, and the lady at the flower shop had rewritten my card, added more things to it, put exclamation marks around it, and ugly, hateful flowers in the middle of it. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a flower shop visit, okay? Don't do that. You take the gift that Jesus already purchased, the good news of the gospel, and you deliver it to the person that needs it, to the person that he wants to take it to. That's all that means. Proclaim the good news to the whole world, or to every creature, to all of creation. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, the word baptized, very similar to the way that the, the verb go was translated. It says, whoever having believed and having been baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Listen, I, I just have, I have this newfound conviction and, or this newfound burden. Let me say it that way. It's, it's, it's a weight that I carry. And, and here's what it is. That whoever does not believe is going to spend eternity separated from a heavenly father that I got to know so well in this life I can honestly say that my relationship with Jesus has been able to replace the relationship with the father that I lost in my early 20s. That my focus on raising my children in his ways has not distracted me from the fact that I don't get to raise them around him. And I want that for everybody. I don't, I don't want anybody to live this life separated from the relationship that the Heavenly Father wants for them to have. But I know that if I don't help them do everything that I can to minister to them, for them to become a believer as I am, then they will be separated from Him because they lived separated from Him. My wife gave me an incredible example. Man, that just seems harsh that that God would do that, that God would send someone to hell 
And I, I explained that, that God doesn't send anyone to hell, but instead he does everything that he can to keep people from going there because they weren't created for hell. Lucifer and his fallen angels were created for hell. And God says, if you want to go to hell, very well, but you're going to have to step over the dead body of my son in order to get there. That's how much God loves you. And another just more practical example would be that if my wife is at home with my children and a man comes to the door and he's dressed in a suit, he looks really good and he looks really nice and he's got Armani luggage or Michael Kors because she won one yesterday and she's just really excited about it. She's like, do you know, did you see what I, I got my, I got my baby, show it to me. Let me see the bag I'd have never bought. Come on. And, let me. <laughs> and so she gets the thing out and I was like, baby, would you even like that if it didn't say Michael Kors on it? She goes, of course I would. It has a tassel. And so... <laughs> because you imagine this man, as sweet as my little wife is, with her children inside, a man, no matter how nice he looked, no matter how well he presented himself, if she does not know him, he is not coming in my house. She cannot let this man, no matter how good of a guy he is, come into the house with her children. And that's all God is doing. When he says in Matthew 7, 21, depart from me, I never knew you. He's not screaming it. He's not yelling it. He's not angry about it. He's broken over it. I never got to know you in your lifetime. And therefore, I, I cannot let you in with my children. Our desire instead, come on, let me flip it. Our desire instead is that whoever believes and is baptized, that person can be saved. That person has been given the right, according to John 1.12, to become a child of God because he purchased that right. So today I want to talk to you about that word, baptized. Because we don't believe here that that word means that you have to be baptized in water or you don't have a relationship with Jesus. We don't believe here that that word means you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or you're not going to heaven. That's not what we believe this word means. Let me give you what we believe this word means. This word is literally translated, not in this passage, but the word baptismo means to be submersed. And I, I made reference to this a couple of weeks ago. It means it would be like the image, if you will. Um, some of you do this. Uh, if you ever wash your car. <laughs> all right. I don't, I don't really do it either. It's okay. I put quarters in the machine and drive through and call it good until it rains all over it again because I park under a tree every day. So if you do that, you could just imagine the image of the sponge and you, you squeeze the sponge and you dip it in the bucket and you let go of the sponge and it is submersed in the contents of the bucket. That is what this word means. This is not just, this is not just a physical act of something that you do. It's a spiritual issue of the heart. With God, all things are a spiritual issue of the heart. From man's sin to man's best, everything that God looks at has to do with a spiritual issue of the heart. So this word baptismo, it has to do with the fact that you have or you have not been submersed in him, in the fullness of him. Now watch this. It says in this passage, having been 
baptized. And I was asking the Lord, God, what does this mean? How do I, how do I like, what? I'm, I'm studying it out, I'm looking at it, and, and all of a sudden, this is just Chris's interpretation, okay? Don't write this down as doctrine, but this helped me in prayer and in study preparation for this message. What does having been baptized mean? Having believed, having gone, having believed, and having been baptized because that's a present having like progressive that I have it and I'll continue to have it but then been baptized is past and that is just a struggle for people that had my high school English teacher because that dude was good okay and, and it just I just can't I, I, yesterday Eddie was doing a great message but he kept saying more wiser and it was just jacking me up man I had to pick on him because he was picking on some other people yesterday and I knew I'd get him back today I was like keep on keep on I'm gonna get you tomorrow go ahead on with your bad self and so he did a great job if you've never taken that concealed handgun course you need to get with them everything that they earn goes towards uh, it's donated they don't keep a dime they only pay for what they have to and they go on but having been baptized I said God what does that mean and immediately I, I just heard the spirit of the Lord says it means that you possess it like it's yours you have it you have the fact that it is part of your being it you, you are possessed with going for the sake of the gospel you are you possess you have it you own it and you don't, not just for a moment, but the present participle of I, I have it and I'm going to continue to have it, the belief in Jesus Christ. I'm just going to confess right here in front of everybody, and I shared this with our board and some of our, our team members just this past week. It is not my objective on a weekly basis to get you in this altar. It's not my objective. If I wanted to do that, I would travel the United States as an evangelist and not get to see my family for very much. And those guys have a special gift, but I'm a pastor, and that is my position. I love to preach, but at the end of the day, my desire is not to just get you to come down to this altar. My desire as the pastor of this house is to get you to come back next week, to get you plugged into this church so that you can grow in your relationship with God, growing closer to God together. That's my heart for this house, is that we wouldn't just have a moment, but that we would have moments of growing and building, that we would have been baptized. We would possess it. We would own it. Having it, been be having belief, and having baptism. Now, there's a few things we need to clarify quickly this morning as we talk about baptism and we're talking about this series of, of showing and telling. And for me, water baptism that we're going to do next week is an example of this entire series. And I am not that good of a planner, but I thank God that he knows where we're going before we even get there. Because right now, we're going to have that service next week at the end of the second service, we're going to go directly out in the midst of the heat. I know, I'm, I'm going to put a t-shirt on. I recommend you bring one too. And, and we're just going to baptize people in a cow tank on a trailer. Because I'm sick of standardized, formulated things that I don't know whether Jesus is in or, in or out of. I just want to do 
what God's called us to do. So next Sunday, if you've never been water baptized, we want to invite you to be water baptized because that is an example of showing what you believe is happening in your life. Now, number one, if you're taking notes this morning, as a church, as a doctrine, this is doctrinal. I always try to disseminate between um, what is Chris and, and, and personal and, and possibly even sometimes theoretical or just logical from my perspective and what I believe to be absolutely what we as a church believe to be absolutely doctrinal. Number one is we distinguish water baptism from the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, hang on. We just, I, let me explain it, okay? Before you turn me off, let me also just say, you do not have to agree with me to go to this church. You don't have to agree. We can talk about it. We can discuss it. You can listen to me, take notes, and send me an email. You can call me, and we'll go to lunch, and I can explain myself, Now, I'm not going to give you the microphone and let you teach on it anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that you can't come just because you don't believe yet or at all exactly some of the non-absolutes for me because the absolute is that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That is the biblical absolute, that there is no other name under which a man or woman or child shall be saved but the name of Jesus. That's the only bi- biblical absolute that I'm going to fight about and tell somebody, listen, if, you, if you're going to walk around and not share that, then, then this may not be the church for you. But this is not one. We distinguish Water baptism from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that salvation, water baptism, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they can happen simultaneously. It it could happen. There's biblical examples. When Jesus was baptized in water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Okay, not a dove descended like the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. He was saved, baptized in water, and received the Holy Spirit. Boom, simultaneously. But I'm going to show you some other examples here in just a second. That just because we believe that those can happen simultaneously, we don't believe that biblically they are the same experiences. Biblically, we believe them to be separate experiences. And let me just add this one more time. I believe that the church has done humanity and injustice by standardizing and formulizing baptism, water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus just wants us to believe and be baptized Because ultimately, he just wants to save us. And we need to stop making it so difficult for people to be baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit when Jesus just wants to receive them just as they are. Let me give you some scripture references. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. This is why we distinguish water baptism from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. Now, John, John the Baptist, 
I baptize with water. So if this man could baptize the Son of God, we'll get to that here in just a minute. You'll see that in Scripture. But if this man could baptize Jesus, then, then why do I have to baptize everybody in the sanctuary? Why can't I let a parent that led a, a, a son or a daughter to Jesus, and I, all I did was lead that parent or minister to that parent, but that parent led that child. Why, how about I let that parent baptize that person? Or if a, if a sister leads another sister to Jesus, how, how cool of a moment would it be if, if John could baptize Jesus, the Son of God? How, how incredible of an opportunity would it be to let a sister that led a sister back to Jesus stand beside the tank and baptize? How about a, a wife that just put the clothes out every Sunday and kept laying them out and kept praying and kept believing and kept inviting and kept... What about a son that was praying for a father that just kept on asking and kept on going and kept on attending and he may have sown tears of sorrow on his pillow at night but then one Sunday morning daddy came and put his clothes on came to church on Sunday I'm going to let that boy baptize his daddy in water because that person wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him and if it wasn't for Jesus neither one of them would have ever known anything so if you lead somebody I'll let you baptize them because I don't need to do ministry every day. I don't need to be the only one that gets to be a part of this. My job is to equip you to do ministry. John said, I indeed baptize with water, but there's one mightier than I who is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see water and then you see the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. Then Simon, this guy's usually known as Simon the sorcerer himself. Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, which what was he baptized in? He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing miracles and signs which were done. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and Simon was in Samaria, they sent Peter and John to them. Verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was verse 15. Prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So you have, they were baptized, uh, presumably in water, because they had not received the Holy Spirit. And then Peter and John come down and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Let me show you one more. Acts chapter 19, verse 2 through 4. He said to them, this is Paul, the church of Ephesus. He comes to the church of Ephesus and he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Listen, this was my testimony. This scripture right here was, was my testimony. I was 19 years old, born and raised in church. And I'd heard of the Holy Spirit, but nobody in my life had ever asked me that question. And I don't understand why, if Paul was willing to ask that question to a believer, why nobody had ever asked me that question. And Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
And he said to him, then in what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Luke 3.16, that baptism that John talked about. The baptism of water, that's the one that we... So Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says that Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. We disseminate, okay? We distinguish as a church according to Scripture, not just one and not just three. You just didn't want to be here all afternoon for me to prove my point. But if you would like to meet for lunch next week, I would love to have this. We distinguish between water baptism and and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because, because we believe that that is what Scripture shows us to do. Number two, we dedicate babies and we baptize believers. You know, this is really important. Now, I was raised in North Louisiana, which is like um, Southern Baptist Bible Belt of the world. Now, I don't have anything against Southern Baptists. I love my background. I'm thankful for my church upbringing. Okay? And so I had never considered another culture that predominantly believed in baptizing babies and not adults. I didn't even know anything any different. So I, was, I began to learn that, that these things would happen and people did things different ways. I just assumed that everybody was Southern Baptist. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that everybody else was just confused because they hadn't found the big church yet and that they weren't part of the country club for some reason. I didn't understand <laughs> what the deal was there. But now I'm, I've learned, right? And, and I've grown. And, and now I have to understand, we dedicate babies. We baptize believers. We believe that the New Testament example is the water baptism is reserved for people who have made or are making a decision for Jesus Christ for themselves. That is the, the biblical example that we see. In fact, here at this church, we actually recommend that, that that person be about seven years old. Now, that's not an absolute. There are exceptions to every rule. But I'm just going to brag because I have the microphone. I have a very intelligent seven-year-old. Like, she reads more than me and Megan put together. She enjoys doing homework. She doesn't miss very many things at school. And she's awake and dressed while our alarm clocks are going off. She's a very intelligent, almost seven-year-old little girl. And she asks a lot of questions. She asked about prayer. We read the, the little yellow now what book together. Like we went through that together. She's almost seven years old and she's asked some questions about water baptism. But I'm holding off with her because I want her to know exactly what she's doing and exactly why she is doing it. I don't want to force her. I don't want to push her. I want to inform her and I want to help her understand. And that little now what book can help you do that. We believe this about baptism. If you're looking for just a one-liner to write down, we believe that it is an outward expression, just like show and tell. Water baptism is an outward expression of an inward experience. Some of you need to write this down because you're trying to explain it to your friends and you're messing it up because you're not well-versed when you could be. You could study it out and, and, and really understand why we do what we do, and it would be much more clear 
for the people that you're trying to explain it to. Now, I'm not saying don't explain it if you don't understand it, because I believe that God is sovereign. He can help you help them, and ultimately, maybe you can come and I'll clean up your mess. But ultimately, the Bible shows us the example of water baptism being an outward expression of an inward experience, or I I just kind of wrote it this way, if you can't remember the other, a public profession of a personal confession. I'm publicly professing what I have personally confessed, and all that is is a new life in Jesus Christ, that I was buried with Christ in baptism, and I'm raised to walk a new life. Dedication. For babies, on the other hand, I know this is kind of teachy this morning. I get it. But I believe we all need to be on the same page. This is very important. Specifically in the culture that we are attempting to win. The culture that we are attempting to influence. And when you are attempting to influence, you need to be informed to give the best explanation. So dedication. We see in Scripture, one of the first examples, most obvious examples, is when Hannah dedicates Samuel to the temple of God. In 1 Samuel, you see his mother take him to the temple and dedicate her son to be used for the kingdom of God. In the New Testament, it's actually not the New Testament, it's the Gospels. The Gospels are designated as the New Testament, but technically they are not the New Covenant They are the story of the new covenant taking place, which is that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus was resurrected, ascended to the right hand of the Father. After he was resurrected and ascended, that is the new covenant. So the gospels are actually the story of the new covenant coming to pass. But we see when Jesus was born that his parents took him to the temple. He was not baptized. We're following in the example of Jesus. They took him to the temple and they dedicated him to the Lord. And then we see later as an adult, before he began his ministry, he was baptized. And that's in Matthew chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. I understand, listen, I get it, okay? And, and I've even had this conversation with some people. Like, what's the big deal? Why not? What's wrong with it? I mean, it's like AG people, like ministers. Who cares if we baptize or if we dedicate? It serves the same purpose. Yes, yes, we understand that some churches baptize as a practice of like confirmation or dedication of their child. But biblically, we believe the example is that an individual personally and publicly professes what they have confessed on their own or in private. In fact, this baptism practice of this baptizing babies, um, and you can double check me, you can fact check me here and and send me an email to correct me, and I'll share it next week if I'm wrong. But from what I understand, this began to take place about 300 years after Jesus ascended or after the first century, the church just kind of implemented this practice and began to practice it. And it wasn't really something that Scripture biblically was backed up or, or that the example of Jesus backed up. And for us, a baby dedication represents a covenant between the parents and God on behalf of the child. That parent is covenanting to to train that child in the ways of the Lord, to to raise their child in faith, and watch this, to exemplify, like to live that faith out as an example for them. It is a personal confession 
to Christ that they are going to dedicate the upbringing of their child back to God. Does that make sense? And so listen, so yes, if you have, we take this very, in fact, we have a baby dedication, getting ready to do one in September. If you have a baby that you would like to dedicate, you're the parent, or honestly, sometimes we sneak these in, the grandparent of that child, and, and you want to dedicate that baby to the Lord. We take these things very seriously. And so whenever we have these people sign up, and we've had some tough conversations with some people, some, some tough but loving, tender conversations that when, when you get up here to dedicate your baby in front of everybody, that we want to take the time to make sure that we're not getting you to, to agree to a covenant that you're not currently living in. That you need to be living in covenant with God in order to, to make a covenant on behalf of your child to God. And so we have those conversations. We take it very seriously. Well, that's what we talk about when dedicating a baby. And we encourage people, listen, there's no rush on this thing. You know, when my son was dedicated, not on a platform by a pastor, in a rocking chair by me, I dedicated my baby. This is just something that we do to publicly celebrate it with you. Number three, if you're taking notes this morning, just to recap, number one was we distinguish between water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we dedicate babies and we baptize believers, people who choose to be baptized upon their own will. Number three, we should all be baptized in water. Why? Number one, Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. Now, personally, again, as a church, we don't believe that baptism in water is going to send you to hell or send you to heaven. That's not the essence of your salvation. Watch this. It's an expression of your salvation. That you have the opportunity to make sure that everybody knows. And I'm going I'm, I'm to, I know that I'm teaching right now, but I promise you, I have an exciting part that I'm going to close with. I'm just saving it for the end. You know I'm going to go there because I'm not a good teacher. Hey, Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, 17 through 20. I'm going to read this quickly. And when he, when they saw him, this was after the resurrection, they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. That makes me want to like cuss in my spirit. (laughs) He was dead. Like I don't have time to go into, but he was dead, buried for three days. They're looking at him. That ain't him. (laughs) Can you just, I just would, if Chuck Norris could like go back in time and roundhouse kick somebody just to make them, just to put them back in, I'm glad you like that one. You're like, are you a fan, Walker, Texas Ranger? Oh yeah, me too, man. I'll go, I'm throwback, man. I see Walker, Texas Ranger, I'm stuck. It's like Jason Bourne. I'm awake at 1130 while everybody's sleeping. Megan's drooling on, I mean, she's went to sleep. She's not, she's on my shoulder. No, I, I fell asleep last night too. She'd call me out for that. But they doubted. Listen, here's, here's, the, here's what's so important about that scripture. That if you need a sign for your doubt, God will give you the sign, but you're going to doubt that too. If you need to see to believe, God may let you see, but you're going to doubt what you see. You have to decide to believe. It's a decision that we get to have. And we make that decision 
based on that conscience inside of us, the Holy Spirit helping us to make that decision. So verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, oh, you doubt, do you? Now, that's what I would have said. I see you, boy, you don't believe? No, <laughs> he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. Where am I? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. There, Mark is just echoing what Matthew is writing. They're, they're feeding off of one another. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know that that's water baptism? I don't. It just says baptizing them. So I believe that we should be doing both because we saw both examples in the New Testament, not in the New, in the new Covenant, in the story of the New Covenant. So we as a church and we as people should be providing the opportunity of water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity. Watch this, verse 20. I love this. Teaching them. I asked our board this this past week, and this messed me up, so I just use it to mess other people up. Are people saved and then discipled, or are they discipled to salvation? My question would be, how did Jesus do it? Jesus discipled to salvation. Paul and Peter would lead people into salvation and then spend their time discipling. So which one should we be doing? Yes. <laughs> should we be baptizing in water or baptism in the Holy Spirit? Do they receive it at salvation? Stop formalizing the gospel and let God do what he wants to do in you and through you and for everybody around you. Just let God be God. Quit trying to put him in your box of simplicity. Let him be God. Let him do whatever he wants to. However he wants to. As long as it doesn't go against his word. Why do we keep getting in his way? Let him be God. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you. Even when you mess it up. Like 2,000 years later. Y'all like formed a... Nation, sort of, on my principles. I'm still here. I'm going to help you. Because it's not over. Our time is not yet through. And we're going to win this thing with the same love that hung on the cross. Not the bitterness of people's tongues. Because the power of life and death still remains with man. Because I want it back for him. I'm with you. Jesus commanded it. Number two, Jesus modeled it. Jesus said this. He said, I believe so much in what I was sent to do, I show it. I believe so much in what God is doing in me that I'm going to show it to you. Matthew 3, 13 through 7, actually 15, 15, jump to 15 through 17 for the sake of time. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it. To be so now. He's talking to John. Like, baptize me. Stop arguing with me before I call my daddy. For thus, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed it. <laughs> Better have allowed it because something bad was going to happen. Verse 16. When he, Jesus, had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of, can you imagine that this moment? He saw the spirit of 
of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, just just landing, descending and lighting upon the Son of God. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. I wish I had another 15 minutes, but I don't. Number four, water baptism is significant. It's more significant than what you realize. It was more significant than what I realized this week. Pastor John, come join me. Romans 6 and Colossians give us this explanation of water baptism. They show us how important water baptism is. 1 Corinthians 15 actually lines out three aspects of the gospel. Um, That Jesus died. He was buried and he was resurrected okay he died he was buried and he was resurrected now we know this because biblically and historically we can fact check this like this is not up for debate that there was a man named Jesus from Nazareth and he was killed on a Roman cross if you debate that, you just haven't, you hadn't studied enough history. Roman history will show that Jesus Christ died, or Jesus of Nazareth died on a Roman cross. And Roman history will back up the scripture when the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, we need you to seal that tomb and put a guard at it. We need you to do something to make that man, he prophesied his own death and he prophesied that three days later he was going to raise from the dead. We need you to seal the tomb so that they don't steal the body. And you need to put a guard at the tomb. And Pilate said, well, you have guards, you have people that can do that, you go do it. But he still did it. In fact, the Bible says there was a stone in front of the tomb. And it's likely that they didn't just roll the stone because the Bible says that they sealed it. It's likely that they actually used some sort of, I don't know, mortar, whatever. I don't know. I'm messing this up. But they binded that stone to the wall. And then the Bible says that they put a centurion guard in front of that tomb. Now, centurion, century represents 100. So it's possible that 100 Roman guards, and you know the Pharisees weren't just going to leave it up to Rome. They had their own people out there too. So you've got a stone in front of a tomb that everybody knows about. It's sealed and 100 Roman guards. The empire of Rome is guarding this thing. And yet that body disappeared and nobody was ever able to find it. So that's why we believe the most logical explanation is not that 12 fishermen and tax collectors were able to overthrow a hundred Roman centurions. It's not a logical explanation. But that God intervened. And Jesus really was who he said he was. He died. He was buried. He's resurrected. The Bible says he died. The spear went through his side. Blood and water came out. I don't have time. I wish I did. The tomb was sealed and guards were set. But on the third day, he was resurrected. The stone was rolled away and the body was gone. He revealed himself to up to 500 people in 40 days. 
This is why water baptism is so important, because we know that Jesus did it. Jesus commanded it. We know that it was a separate experience. And then Jesus was resurrected, and that represents what we do whenever we believe in him. The Old Testament example of this is when the Israelites went through the Red Sea. They came out of Egypt. And they were going to the promised land. That's where we are. We're coming out of Egypt. When we believe in Jesus, we're coming out of Egypt. We're coming out of slavery, out of bondage to sin, into the promised land, the place that God has for us. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. And we get to live a lot of it out while we're here. But watch this. The enemy began to pursue them again. So what does it represent? How important is it? God parted the Red Sea as a representation of their baptism. Watch this. The Red Sea did not save them, but it revealed their salvation. Water baptism does not save us. It reveals our salvation. Who did it reveal the salvation to? Why is water baptism so important? Who cares? Because Pharaoh and the Egyptian army were pursuing the Israelites. When you give your life to Jesus, the enemy doesn't give up. The enemy comes after you harder than he has ever come after you before. But watch this. When you continue to be obedient and take the next step, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it's in front of everybody, even though that wall of water is going to cave in on top of you, water baptism does not save you, but it reveals to the enemy that you are saved, that you have confessed him as Lord. Can you see Lucifer? looking at the cross, rubbing his hands together, watching him before Pilate, sticking him in the tomb, sealing that thing, and setting guards. Can you see him just, just kind of pacing back and forth, believing that he had won, and then pursuing the disciples as they scattered like ants, and none of them were around to make sure that Jesus' word was going to come to pass. But on the third day, the same thing happened that had happened at the Red Sea. God God said, not for my people and not today. He split the water and the people of Israel began to walk through on dry ground. They said goodbye to their past. They said goodbye to their guilt. They said goodbye to their shame. They said, Pharaoh, you can come after me if you want to, but you're not going to be able to keep up, baby, because there's a baptism in my future that's about to reveal my freedom in my present. I'm about to go out on the other side. You and your army can keep on pursuing me but my God is the God of restoration. My God is the God of reconciliation and you're about to find out that he is a God of revelation for my salvation. You're going to see that I am free and free indeed. That is why that is why water baptism is so important for you if you've never been water baptized before, that's what it represents. Does it save you? No. But it reveals to you, to everybody around you, and to hell itself that I'm leaving that behind. I will be buried with Christ in baptism. 
but I'm going to rise up on the other side and receive my salvation. Having, having been baptized, I have it. I remember it. And you will remember too. <laughs> How good is that? I told you I was going there. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. First, and just it's a simple question. This doesn't determine your salvation. I just want to provide you an opportunity to confess this morning or, or actually to, to commit and, like, and be a part of this experience. If you have received salvation, if you have recommitted to Christ since my wife and I have been here or, or even before, if there was a time in your life where you were not free from sin, and now you are, but you have not been baptized in water, and you want to be. Like, you know, that's me. I need to be a part of that next Sunday. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me? I need to do that. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Come on, that's me. I need to be baptized. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Don't miss the moment. I don't, there's not going to be a better explanation from me. I'm sure there's people out there, but that's like, that's the best I got. <laughs> be convinced. Like, I, I want to be baptized in water next week. Maybe I've been baptized before, but then I, I went into a season where I didn't live it out. And I just want to refresh my commitment to myself, everybody else, and the enemy to know that I, I'm going to follow Jesus with everything that I have. Anybody else? That's me. I want to be a part of that. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Let me ask this question this morning. Do you need to receive salvation? In fact, right now, I want our prayer team, if you, were, if you prayed with people earlier, I just want you to just spread out up against the wall all around the sanctuary. You guys go right now. I don't even want, them, I don't even want you up front, just like around the, the side and in the back. We'll make it as easy as possible. If you're in the room right now, right where you are, and you have not received salvation. You've never believed in Jesus. Or you have, but you drifted and you know you need to recommit because you're not following him today. If you want to be included in this prayer that we're all going to pray and you want to recommit to that process, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Say, that's me. Don't, wait. Don't look around. Don't wait. I see you. Anybody else? That's me. That's me. I need to receive right now today in this room. Anybody else? Come on, church, would you stand with me this morning? Here's what we want you to do. If you, if you, if you feel like that that was you. See, I saved, I, I, just, I was too convicted by D.L. Moody's principle that he would never share the gospel and not give an opportunity to receive salvation. It just, I was too convicted by the, how many times I had done that. So we do that every Sunday. And if you needed to receive salvation, we're gonna pray Right now, we're going to pray, and then as soon as we pray, watch this, as soon as we pray, I want you to do one of two things. I want you to take a card in front of you, a connect card, and I want you to write your name on it and write, I received salvation or I rededicated my life. There's a box you can check. That's all we want you to do. If you, don't, if you feel like taking a little bit step further and just confessing it to somebody else, that's why we have these people out here. If you would rather just tell them your name and let them write it, 
and turn it into us, that's fine too. One more thing is while we pray, if you feel like you should have come earlier or you feel like there's something else that you just need before you leave today that the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your heart that you need to settle, go and settle it. Go to one of these people and let them agree with you today before you leave this place, okay? Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me, with all of your heart, everybody in the room. Jesus, forgive me for my wrong, for where I've fallen short, for the things I've messed up. Don't let me stay there. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Save me. Help me to follow you. Be faithful to you in every way. Fill me with your spirit and help me obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we believe that if you prayed that, if you prayed that, then that was a step. That wasn't the end all. But that you should leave this place free and you should begin to walk in that freedom. I'm going to close my eyes. We're going to pray one more prayer. I'm just going to dismiss over you. But again, these people are here for you. We're not going to make you do anything. But if you need to confess something to somebody that would keep it confidential or just seal it with you today, go and see these people before you leave. Before you leave this building, they can move over in the corner. They can get out of the way of others and you can just step over with them. They can fill out some information for us or you don't have to if you don't want to. But they want to be there for you. And so do we. Okay? Hey, listen, thank you so much for coming this morning. Make sure you greet somebody that you don't know before you leave today. I'm going to pray just a prayer of blessing over you. And we're going to move forward in our day because we got a whole nother group of about 150 more people that are going to experience the same thing that you just got to experience. We love you and appreciate you. Just open up your hands like you are going to receive a gift. I just want to present it. Jesus, I understand that I'm just here to deliver. I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless us and keep us that you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. God, that you would lift up your countenance upon your people and help us today, right now, in this moment, to receive your peace, your salvation. Anoint us, like submerse us in your presence and help us to accomplish your will, walk in your ways, and most importantly, know you and make you known in Jesus' name.